Welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leela McRae. Joe, have you survived the next massive snowstorm that we have? I did. Uh, <laughs> could have done without the ice, but... Ice didn't have much impact out for me. I, you know, I love live in the woods, as we've talked about with the leaves, and all the leaves are down. But, you know, that, that ice on these trees is not fun. But luckily, the way... When it came down, the way the wind did, um, it's, it hasn't had much impact for me. It just made the top of the snow a little crusty. So, yeah, yeah we got through the-, the snow's crusty. Um, I decided that it would be a good idea uh, when I went to the grocery store on Saturday um, to get stuff that, you know, oh, if the power goes out, I can cook with the grill. Well, I also only got one thing that can probably not be cooked on the grill that would have tasted well so i cooked that thing for lunch during the brunt of the snowstorm there and then at dinner i was like oh yeah and still snow well the snow had stopped and it was ice that was when it was ice and i like get the cover off the grill fire fire it up and put the steaks on the grill i didn't even bother shuffling the back porch um but uh, so I'm getting iced on while I'm cooking the steak, and then luckily it was thin, uh, and it didn't take too long, uh, and then ate that. Uh, it took record time to for the grill to cool off to put the cover back on, though, so I guess that was good. But, <laughs> always paid off. Yeah. So while, so while you were doing that, you were watching uh, football. You were probably mm-hmm. watched in what? The, the that would have been the Cowboys-Niners game. I, I had actually – turned off the Cowboys Niners game to go cook because at that point it was like frustrating being a person who had investments on the Cowboys and just preferred the Cowboys anyway um but that's then like, that's you went wrong Period. then when like, the Cowboys started coming back I turned it on saw them coming back and I gotta be honest it's man, all the mess <laughs> just insane I don't know you have Tony Romo sitting there saying, oh, you got to get the ball to the ref. You got to get the ball to the ref. You got to not run that play. Yeah. You just can't run that play. Yeah. It's, it's stupid. You can do it in college and high school. You can't do it in NFL. Yeah, because the clock doesn't stop. So on a first down. So, you, yeah. Just to me, I was like, man. And, and uh, you know, I, I think Dan Orofloski was breaking it down on Twitter and said they might have had two seconds left if they had given it to the ref. Maybe. That's assuming the ref doesn't do ref things and drop the ball. I mean, how many times have we seen in a hurry-up situation the players try to toss it to the ref and they can't catch it because they're not athletes? I mean, how about the four previous plays where they threw it 10 yards and went out of bounds? I would have rather attempted that and failed or even thrown deep and failed because then you still get another play or two. If you, mm-hmm. I mean, if you throw an incomplete pass on a quick out, you might get two more plays. And instead, they got zero more plays. So I don't, un, I just don't understand. You had a lot of success coming down. Maybe you did feel that defense changing, but just run up the middle. You don't have a timeout. The clock's like, like it. Just no matter what, it doesn't make sense. And that's why I agree with you wholeheartedly. Yesterday, when you're just like, you kind of smart butt said it. You like, you just don't run that play. You just, you make that's where your problem started. Not how you reacted to the play, it's calling it to begin with. And I, I, it, it's exactly the problem. And it's what we see come out of Dallas. You know, they just get, they lose in the craziest way sometimes in these playoffs. And this one's at home. And 
and McCarthy's sitting there with a lot of pressure on him, a lot of expectation, and here he is again not succeeding. Now, he's had some injury with his quarterback while he's been there and stuff like that, but, you know, this Kellen Moore, the old Boise State quarterback, he's interviewing other places. Apparently, Jerry Jones loves him. I'm thinking there's going to be a change there. I'm just thinking he'll pay to get McCarthy out of the way and keep Kellen Moore there, but Kellen Moore's the offensive coordinator. I was going to say, that was my thing. He's probably the one who called that play. So, yeah, um, I don't know. If you take it down, if you take a decision like your head coach and put it on one play, then I don't know what they do. But if you take overall things that we've been seeing all year, and, and I think I've referenced this two weeks ago on the podcast, I, I do think this, this change is going to come. I just You've given the fan base a target day one of what the heck was that. Whether, whether it's still McCarthy, whether it's Kellen Moore next year, if either one of them are involved in this team in August, they're going to be talking about that play and every day until then. Yeah, and the crazy part is you had had so many, like you had done, like you said, a good job moving the ball down the field. Now, part of that is yeah. San Francisco, for whatever reason, was giving you the sideline. Um, yeah. And, but the first play of that drive was the one where they went over the middle of the field and then had the reverse after the catch uh, going the other way to get, a couple extra yards. Yeah, the hook and ladder a little bit. Um, and I was like, that is a genius move. Like, that's Kellen Moore showcasing. Yeah. That's that's Kellen Moore interviewing well, for jobs. I, I believe there was a famous hook and ladder while he's at Boise State, too. I think that was part of that. Um, that yeah, that but I was like, like that's that him interviewing for a job. And, and then he calls the quarterback draw, and I was like, well, that's maybe the interview yeah. ending in a not very good way. That's yeah, Daryl in the I, office I, interview, like, killing the fish in the fish tank. I do think though, that the head coach is going to take the, the clock management number one. And uh, so that's where I think Kellen Moore is going to skate. And I, I think he's going to get that job. I really do. I think that's, that's what happens within the next week. They fire McCarthy. Everybody goes crazy. Dallas rolls in people to interview and sadly it'll be fake interviews and then they'll hire Kellen Moore. I mean, that's, that's just what's going to happen there, which uh, I mean, that's a total different thing to talk about with these fake interviews that, that they're, that they do. But I, I just, if you have a guy that's on, if you're hiring from within, then I don't think you need to have, you need to check all the boxes on the interviews. I think if you know, like, I think it, I think that's a, a waste of people's time. And I think that's more destructive than productive in the spirit of that rule of, you know, interviewing a bunch of different people. Maybe. Um, Maybe you get them in the room though, and you give them that opportunity and, right. and, uh, and, and, and then people hear that they're getting that opportunity with you, and then they call them and, and bring them over too. But I don't know. The answer's in the middle somewhere. But I, I do feel sorry when people go to interviews for no good reason. Um, game. Do we have another good game? Yeah, the, the Bengals Raiders game. That was a good game. It was a good game at the end. I watched parts yeah. of that game. It was not good when I was watching it. Not because well, it was a blowout. Any of the other games. I was going to say, not because it was a blowout, but because I'm watching yeah. two teams that look like they don't really know how to play football. Uh, the, the Eagles and Steelers would will... will the <laughs> Eagles don't... Know, yeah, they didn't know how to play football. <laughs> and the Patriots did not know how to stop Josh Allen and the Bills. And the Steelers, after the first quarter, didn't know how to do anything right. I, I mean, kind of... I said on this podcast, Sunday you have a good game and the other two are going yeah. to be blowouts. Because well, I the, the two seven seeds did not need to be there. Yep. Yeah, it's yeah. Maybe the NFL's gotten the playoff too big. Um, well, okay. 
I, I don't necessarily disagree. <laughs> but I will say this. I think if it's the Chargers and the Saints, which is what it was going into week 17, I think maybe we have better games. Chargers, I would be more optimistic about. And that's that's in the face of my Steelers. But uh, the Saints, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I think Tom Brady, Tom Brady hasn't beaten the Saints. At least, at least the Saints, yeah. I, that, sorry, that clicked in my brain right then. At least the Saints would have had that storyline coming in, and they've done a good job against the, um, the Bucks. But overall, I was impressed with the Saints down the stretch. But I don't know. I think um, definitely Joe Burrow continues to make his star brighter. Um, I think it was good for the Raiders to be battling because, you know, for a team that, <laughs> you know – was just riding that edge of being in or not. And uh, to get in after everything they've been through this season, a, I think that guy, you know, <laughs> the interim coach has earned himself a spot. Wow. Um, Sounds like he's maybe not getting the job, but we'll see. I hadn't heard that yet, but I, I don't know. I thought that game was good. A good game. Kind of uh, Saturday was a good game for the future. Seeing Burrow, seeing Carr, and then seeing the bills with Josh Allen. I thought, I think that was a lot of future talk there. And, you know, that's not just the driving the names that we're used to. It's not 49ers Cowboys who are organizationally always there. Um, you know, Patrick McCombs has already established himself. Obviously, Tom Brady's on the back end. I thought Saturday was a good preview of, like, what's to come for the NFL. And I think there's a lot to like there. Yeah. And I'll say this. Like, for Mac Jones – not not going to go down in great moments on his career that game but he's right. he's not on the defense that gave up a touchdown every single time the bills offense came on the field so and he wasn't great himself either but I, you know i think there was i was kind of wrapped up in this espn produced this thing and they ranked all mm-hmm. the quarterbacks they do that every year fine well barstool's main twitter page put out here's mac jones he's picked 11th out of 14 like how ridiculous is that? And it's like, well, when you look at it, not that ridiculous for a rookie quarterback who has the stats that he has to who's, you know, a, a six seed to, you know, be ranked there. That, that isn't that surprising when you look at the actual names and who he had behind him made sense and who he was behind. You know, you could easily have arguments. Um, but also, like, why just pick that out? Now, when you dig deeper, you see it's a it's the one of the Boston area guys that wrote the article. And obviously, um, Barstool was very Northeast focused. So I, I, I understand the concept of where it came from. I just thought, who cares who's 11th on this list? It's like, why do we need to pick apart who's 11th on this list? Let's talk about who's top. Let's talk about who's bottom. But who cares who's 11th? Also, it's the Patriots quarterback who Tom Brady early in his career, not magnificent early in his career. He, he got better as time went on and, and is, as a young player uh, on that team. Like, yeah, I think the first year Tom Brady was in the playoffs, he probably would have been ranked, you know, down you know, ninth or 10th on the list or something. So like, what's the big deal here? And, you know, he probably proved his, his ranking in that game, but I also just have this faith in the Patriots organization that he's going to do better and better. As much as I hate saying that he's, he's going to have the things around him. He's going to have the coaching. He's going to be put in a position to win games. So like, I'm just not that worked up about Mac Jones right now. You know, I think they, I think that was the perfect draft pick. And I think in the long run, we're going to look back and, at, and just think it's stupid to ever have debated um that's and and so that i thought that was a waste of time and that was what i was fired up about this week i guess that was good diversion from you know the cowboys 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 talk yeah i will say this too um i very much enjoyed sunday night football uh that was the best game of the week for me um 
<laughs> I very much had a great time. Even when TJ Watt scored that touchdown, I wasn't really worried because I was like, okay, the Chiefs are eventually going to score a touchdown, and I don't know if yeah. the Steelers' offense is capable. So, and, and they eventually did, but late, very late, once the game was already decided. And I, I, I was riding the dream for as long as I could. Yeah. They were the worst team. Like, they, they far worse team. Like, it's such a separation between them and Kansas City. And you and, and I. Coach, that drives me crazy. But you, that's what it was. Yeah, you and I weren't texting during the game because I know I, I'm just not the kind of person who usually texts people that I know are rooting for the other team and harass them while their team's losing because I don't like it when it happens to me. So, um don't usually do that. You have done it, but you don't. I have, but I don't usually do it. <laughs> right. I think it was in retaliation to you texting me about the Ravens, though, is why you got yeah. one one time. But the Ravens was the first team. Oh, uh, in, in NFL. Uh, yeah, I talk a lot of UVA. I don't know. But yeah, Ravens fans, I will poke at a lot just because of that rivalry. But the conversation I was having with my friend while I was watching the Chiefs Steelers game, I was saying, yep, oh, Leland talking about how this is exactly what the Steelers need. Chiefs start out slow. You know, who knows? They scored hey, first. And I was like, oh, Leland is loving way. this. Leland's loving this. And then the very next drive, when the Chiefs go down the field and score a touchdown, I was like, game over. Like, oh, yeah. I, said, <laughs> I think I said the same thing. I was like, well, that's it. Honestly, when the Steelers went three and out on the first possession, I was like, oh, that might have been it. But no, like, it, when they came down and scored and, like, finally moved the ball, I was like, okay, we're done. Like, we, we used up all our shots. We, we confused them in the first quarter, maybe, or just came out hot on defense. But we just didn't we – we didn't have the, what it took to beat that team uh, if they're playing any kind of good. If they right. completely go to sleep, it was our only chance. And I think the first quarter they were going to sleep and we were playing out of our mind, and that's why it was 7 nothing. But, yeah, past that, I um, – yeah, I, I'll take – if we're going to finish with that record, I want to be in the playoffs and rather not. I'd rather not just miss the playoffs because what's it, two draft pick difference? I don't – Something like that. But – I'd rather just drop the two spots, be in the one extra game, and, 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 and have that um, – what's the Steelers are? They win and win and win every year. And so I, I, I appreciate that they made it in. But we got a lot of changes coming, particularly mm. at quarterback. Um, and I think that's going to, you know, define the style of offense we're going to play. I think before Big Ben, we were very much a run team. Early Big Ben, we kind of transitioned, you know, still a hot, hot run team, but we got through that Super Bowl with, with Bettis and stuff, and then we quickly kind of became this pass passing team, and, and we had the weapons to do it. I wouldn't mind kind of reverting back to some of this running stuff. I like the, the, what Tennessee does with Derrick Henry. Um, I, I like that run-first mentality. I like, I like the way those teams win because I think it, it helps support steadiness. Um, so I'm kind of hoping for that. I don't want to be as dependent on my quarterback's throwing ability. I, I, cause I just don't see what I, if I knew our next quarterback's going to be some awesome passer, I maybe feel more comfortable, but at this point I just am fine with, if we kind of transition here into a little more run heavy, uh, that means we got to be better up front uh, on offense and uh, on both sides, we need to be more, better up front, but particularly offensive lines got to get better. I mean, I think they were putting some hate on, uh, on Twitter was on uh, um, Najee Harris. It's all offensive line. Najee Harris is a good athlete. You can see we've seen what he can do with with a good offensive line in front of him. He's going to do that again if we give that to him. So uh, I'm not putting the blame on him yet. And and he's only going to have so long there. But then they'll then they'll be the next running back. And we just we got to get better up front. That's what Steeler teams have been built on is good lines. And we we got to get back to that. I think your defense is built for that too. You have a pretty solid defense. So if you can get a team yeah. that 
if you get an offense that is successful at running the ball and just eating up that much more of the clock and keeping a high-powered offense like a Cincinnati Bengals or a Baltimore Ravens on the sideline, then that helps. I, and I don't think I don't I don't see what quarterback's going to come in. What veteran quarterback that we actually are going to get, or what dra- what's out there in the draft outside of Aaron Rodgers? But a lot of it, yeah. Other than Aaron Rodgers, which I, I don't know. I have torn feelings there too. So I know you I, do, I think but I'm just saying that would be one. Yeah, yeah. If he goes there, then that's how would you feel problem. about Matt Ryan? I said that. Other than what he did to Virginia Tech uh, <laughs> when he was in college, uh, I I would be okay with him. I don't. I, my hatred of Matt Ryan was very college centric. And at this time when we have no quarterback, it's kind of hard to be being much of a picker here. That's true. Uh, we need to choose a quarterback and go. Um, but I think a run, a strong run game would help Matt Ryan. Cause he's the kind of guy that when he is passing could do a good job. I just think asking him to throw 40 times a game might not be best for him. So I think that strong run game will matter there too. So I'm really okay. If we can pick up a solid veteran quarterback, including a Matt Ryan, and then really concentrate on getting our offensive line better through free agency or the draft this, this offseason. Uh, I think that could really help us well for the future. Putting off the quarterback for right now, the quarterback forever future, I'm okay with just because I don't know who's coming in this draft that I want to sell the barn for. Because I think at 20, I don't know if you're going to get the next guy. So I, I don't pick it. It's not dropping to there. And he's the hometown kid, uh, you know, hometown college kid. I, I also don't know how great an answer that is. So I, I don't mind kind of punting the quarterback of the future for a year. That's fair. But you can get rid of Mason Rudolph and, and anybody else on that quarterback roster while we're at it. Hey, that sounds familiar. <laughs> um, I will also say this before we move off the NFL. I, I think the Tampa Bay is very much rooting for the Ram. Or, uh, excuse me, very much rooting for the Cardinals tonight. I don't think so they want to see the Rams. Financially, so am I. We saw, uh, well... Financially, you might be in trouble. Um, we saw a few times in that Eagles game, Tom Brady get hit. Now, put that with a competent offense and a better pass rush. Yeah. No, like, I, uh, that's yeah. how you beat Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay does not want to see the Rams. Yep. I do. I, I do like how it's decided, which and it's just the way it works. The, the lowest seeds go to the high seed. I do like that tonight. We know exactly what we're going to have next weekend. They already have the schedule out for next weekend. So I was surprised they got the, what is that? Green Bay and San Francisco game is a Saturday night game. Uh, I thought that was going to be a Sunday game for sure. So uh, that'll, that'll make Saturday night interesting. I'm, I'm not going to be glued to the television this next weekend. Well, um, they'll be out and about. So that worries me. Sure. I, I would say the difference in that's going to be, you either have the LA Rams and Tom Brady, or you have Kyler Murray and Tom Brady on Sunday. So that's probably. The I don't know why they had to commit today uh, on, or last night on that schedule. I don't know why they couldn't have waited. I'm telling you, I think they'd rather have Tom Brady on Sunday. Yeah, that's why they had Tom Brady on last week, too. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, looking over at high school basketball, they had the rock the ribbon this week. Um, and I think it's time we should, we should bring in Cody Elliott for this discussion here uh, for this week's podcast um, to, to jump in on this topic. Um, but high school basketball has gotten heated up and uh, a lot to talk about. Hey, Cody, thanks for jumping on, jumping in the middle of the conversation here with us on the Exports podcast. Yeah, no problem. It's, uh, it's been a while. <laughs> it has been a while. I think it's because you've been so busy with uh, becoming the uh, editor of the sports section up there at the DNR, man. Congratulations on that. 
Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Uh, it's definitely been uh, different a little bit, but um, you know, trying to uh, increase our coverage and our, our coverage area and all that as much as we can. So, um, you know, staying busy and trying to kind of mold it into uh, what we see as our and as a long-term vision a little bit. Well, great. You've been doing a great job uh, the whole time you've been at that paper, but I, I even appreciate the differences since you've been editor up there and the more coverage down our way. We always, we always want more coverage uh, for our Augusta County team. So we'll, we'll take it, but uh, let's talk about probably focus more on up your way first and, and the rock the ribbon. I think one of the highlights about that tournament was the fact that East rock and Tyler nickel were going to play and, and union who they played last year in the state championship and fell to uh, they had the rematch going. So uh, how, how'd that go for, for Tyler Nickel down there? Well, you know, East Rock got the win, um, avenged the loss last year, and and it's impressive not only just because they avenged the loss. Um, you know, last year when they played Union, it was it was down there, um, you know, in Big Stone Gap, and um, obviously in an empty gym almost with, you know, limited fans under the COVID guidelines, and um, there was just a weird feel to it. It really never – it. Even even in the loss, you know, it just never felt like a, a normal season. Um, even if they would have won, I think it, it really it wouldn't have been celebrated the same way. I'm not saying that it would have taken anything away, but it just just had such a weird feel to it. And so when they lost to Union last year, I think that was a real shocker. I mean, I think, you know, it, going into that game, if you ask the majority of the people, um, everyone would have picked East Rock and probably thought East Rock was going to roll in that game. And uh, Union just out, outplayed them, out-executed them in that game. And, and really, it was never um, in doubt from the start. And so – you know, this year they, they go down there. Um, they've, they've already played a really tough non-district schedule. They're going to continue to play a tough non-district schedule. Um, they're going down to Bristol this weekend for a tournament playing Polka. They've, they've played other big teams, Savannah County, just the week before in the Chance Harmon Classic. So they, they've shown that they're not afraid of, you know, tough competition. And, um, you know, going down there to Rockbridge, obviously, I think they were probably the highlight of the weekend. And, and the thing about it was that the thing that made it most impressive was the fact that they were so shorthanded. They were missing three key players. Um, Cooper Keys, obviously, uh, Coach Kerry Key's son. I mean, he's he's been a big-time guard for him this year. Um, I think he leads the bull run in assists right now. And then Ryan Williams is another guard for him that's been a, a really key player. Has had some big scoring nights for him. So both of those guys were out. Um, they were really shorthanded. And Tyler had to do a lot in that game. Um, I want to say I believe he finished with 34 of their 50 points and and really just took over for them. And and that's been the recipe a lot this season is he's had to score a lot of points. And, you know, there's questions about, you know, long term, if that, that'll work for him. And and I, I think, you know, long term, what, what, what Kerry's hoping for is that some of his other guys are able to kind of mold and, and continue to grow and emerge into big time players themselves. And we're starting to see that a little bit. Cooper's obviously been at this level for a while and played well. And, and Jaden Hicks is a guy that's stepping up. And, and Xavier Butler is a, a really athletic guy that I think has a lot of potential, but that had dealt with some injuries early on and, and things like that. But, you know, right now Tyler's kind of carrying the load and, and other guys are coming along. But that win against Union was especially big just because that was a big-time team, a big-time opponent. I mean, the night before they had beaten Abingdon. Um, so you start to get a win over them and, and to do it without a couple of key players – um, I mean, just a, just a big win for them, and especially after some early season struggles, the way they're playing now, I think is, has given you know given them kind of the look of the team that we thought they'd be going into the year. So I, I wanted to touch on that because I think Leland and I had an off-air conversation over the phone actually this weekend uh, about Tyler Nichols' percentage of points he's scoring for East Rock. And I know Tyler's a very special player, D1, something this area hasn't seen in a very long time, if ever, depending on when you got to the area, but 
do you think it's because he is just getting that much better or depending or do you think it's East Rock isn't as deep as they have been in previous years when he's been on the team? Uh, I think it's a little bit of both, to be honest. I mean, I think, you know, I don't know if they're as deep as they have been. Um, and and I say that with hesitancy just because I think they might have a little bit deeper in terms of how far they go into their bench, in terms of how comfortable they are going into their bench. But I'm not sure that in terms of that number two, number three guy, um, and this is no, you know, no slight to Cooper, um, but, you know, they've had guys like Dalton Jefferson there um, who, who was a low-end low potential Division one walk-on, at least a Division two type of player. They had Tice who, who walked on at JMU as a guy the next year. I mean, Kyle Evick even last year was receiving Division two offers, and he ultimately decided not to play basketball in college, but he was a guy who could have played Division two basketball. So they've had those guys. I mean, Kyle Evick was a 6'7 six, six, guy. Dalton Jefferson was 6'7. Obviously, we know about Tice as a point guard, but – you know, all of those guys were, were legitimate college prospects beside him. Um, you know, Cooper's a, a, a definitely a potential Division three player. I mean, I think he would be a great ODAC player. Um, but, you know, they don't necessarily have outside of even Cooper. They don't have a ton of experience around him. They don't have a, a bunch of guys that are, that are looking to go play at the next level. And I think that might be the biggest difference. And I think that's part of the reason why he's had to take on such a scoring load. Now, with that being said, I do think he's a much better player um, than he was last year and the years before. I mean, uh, just the level of his game, you know, and almost every aspect has went up. Um, he just looks more comfortable. He obviously, he plays with a lot of confidence now. Um, you know, he, he doesn't seem to force things. He he seems to kind of let things come to him more naturally now, even at which, you know, it wouldn't seem that way with some of his numbers. But uh, he, he seems just to, to kind of go with the flow. And, and it, you know, his talent level has put him such so far above some of his opponents that I think, you know, that's what allows him to just kind of go with the flow and find the scoring in the game and, um, you know, I, I think it's a combination. I think he's certainly kind of been, been asked to take on a bigger role and, and has kind of seen it himself and taken it upon himself. But I also think he, he truly has just gotten even better uh, since last year. And um, I think that's probably why, you know, when he went down to UNC a couple months ago, he got that offer and all that stuff. I mean, I think that's kind of what, what we're seeing. is We're seeing maybe now why he's a UNC uh, signee. So with, I mean, I assume, you know, they've, they've had so much success in the district up there. You know, what's some of the biggest challenges ahead for East Rock, you know, within the district or region? And, and maybe some of those are the same, you know, both they're both in the district and the region. What's some of the biggest challenges for them, uh, you know, before they get out of the region? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely not going to be a cakewalk. I mean, in, in past years, I felt that, you know, East Rock was, was kind of head, head and shoulders above everybody else. And they still right now, I think they're playing the best of all the teams. But I mean, you, you look at their look at how they've played this year. I mean, they lost to Central earlier this year. Um, in a low-scoring, gritty game. And I believe that night they had 43 points. It was a 44-43 win for Central. Um, and out of the 43 points, Tyler had 34. So that's that's probably not a recipe for success, um, you know, as good as Tyler's been. you know, And I, I'm, I'm sure they're certainly going to rely on him to have those big score nights, but you don't want him scoring 34 out of 43 points. Um, Central's a team that I think is dangerous just because they've, they've had a lot of experience. They've got a, got a lot of guys that have played together for a long time, similar to the football team. Uh, who just made a deep run, you know, they've just a lot of guys who have built chemistry. And uh, when, when you've got athletes like that who are multi-sport athletes who have experienced success like they did on the gridiron, you've got, I mean, I see it all the time where it just it translates over in other sports for schools. I mean, you see it at Riverhead sometimes with the basketball team. You see it at other, school, other sports. I mean, when teams are able to, to have success and kids are able to have success, you see that translate. So Central's a team to watch out for. Um, Rappahannock, surprisingly, has been a team – that's been pretty good so far this, this year. I mean, I, we haven't really got to see much of them because they're, they're so far away in the bull run. They're kind of forgotten about. Um, they struggle in most sports, but 
the, the boys basketball team has kind of slowly come along here and, um, you know, it is a pretty solid team. Um, but, you know, for the most part, I think East Rock's got to, has to be the favorite, uh, you know, against pretty much anybody they face. It, <laughs> if they're not the favorite, you know, it, it's going to be a really good team. And in terms of when you look at just around their district, um, like I said, I think they're playing the best right now. And they, even in the region, um, you know, Buffalo Gaps aren't in their region anymore. Uh, you know, Stan's a team that's been kind of up and down so far this season. So, you know, when you're where Stan's actually moving up. So, yeah, I mean, when you talk about yeah. class two schools, I guess it's where Strafferley is the only one. Yeah. You know, there's really not a, a lot of competition there. So really, it, it, you know, you don't want to call it a cakewalk or anything like that. But really, the all the way to the state tournament, you know, I would expect the Sharks probably the favorite against every team they play. And then once they get there, obviously, then it's just the pressure of finally getting the job done, which they haven't been able to do for the past three years. Well, we're late to the party on our, our basketball coverage just because of the broken schedule so far. So I really have not paid much attention to the Valley District, which is very strange considering how much we've always focused uh, with basketball in the Valley District. But with Stanton and Waynesboro back in, or into the Shenandoah District now, um, I've kind of, I just, all I see is your tweets and, and what you write. But, you know, on an overall sense, uh, how's the Valley District looking both boys and girls up there? Yeah, it, it's been a weird year. I mean, for the boys, you know, the, it's no team has really stood out, you know, in, in a big way. Um, I think Spotswood and Broadway have kind of separated themselves here early. Um, it may be TA a little bit. Um, there's, there's, there's a lot of interesting storylines there. I mean, TA obviously has dealt with so many different coaching changes over the years. They're in their fifth coach in as many years. Um, Leland, I know you, t- you messaged me when, when Clay Harris was announced as the coach, cause you remember him just from a few years ago playing for yeah. Fort. I just covered him passing the ball you know, on the court. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, he, he was supposed to be the JV coach this year and, and, you know, what due to un- unforeseen circumstances, all of a sudden he's the head coach of the varsity level. And, um, fortunately, you know, he had, he had, you know, some experience over the summer with those guys have been around. So that, so things didn't really change too much for them. And, and they have a good group that, that can really shoot the ball and play well. Um, they had a big win the other night over Harrisonburg. Harrisonburg's a team that's really struggling right now. Um, I thought that they might turn things around in, in district play, but, um, you know, a combination of things there, I think, have led to some struggles. But, you know, Spotswood is a team that, you know, coming to the year, I wouldn't necessarily thought was going to be uh, the, the the typical Spotswood team that we've seen that makes a few state runs. Um, you know, they've got Carmelo Pacheco, who's putting up big numbers. I think, you know, if Tyler Nickel didn't exist, uh, you know, this would be a year that we'd really be talking about how special Carmelo Pacheco is um, with him putting up 27, 28, 29 points a night. Um, but what's, what's been surprising about them is the, the sophomores on their team. They've got six, seven, eight sophomores on that team. And I mean, they are really, really good. I mean, they're high level varsity players. Um, they're going to be really good for the next couple of years with, with how good these guys are. I mean, I, I've seen them a couple of times now and I just would not believe that they're sophomores. I mean, they've got, they've got size, they've got skill. Um, they play with confidence. I mean, they're a really good group. And I think that that's a team that if they hit their stride as playoff time comes around. I think they have a chance to make some serious noise on a deep run. Um, Broadway's a team that they're playing well. They're, they're your typical good Broadway team, I guess you could say. I mean, they're physical. They're gritty. They're going to be blue-collar. They're going to do things the right way. Um, they're, they're scoring punch has kind of lacked in games. We saw last week they beat Fort. It was 33-24. I mean, just a, a really low-scoring game. Um, but overall, I think Spotswood is a, is a team that you, you have to watch for on the boys' side. And, I mean, probably the same now after we've started district play on the girls because, you know, early on, I thought TA was the team. They reeled off a bunch of wins. And fortunately or, or unfortunately, they've dealt with some COVID issues lately um, that, that have, you know, forced some players out, some really key players. But Spots was a team that after a tough non-district schedule where, 
you know, they, they could hardly, I think they went on a four game losing streak at one point, And now all of a sudden they get a district play and they're blowing out opponents again. And so, um, you know, in terms of the Valley district girls race, I'd say spots was the favorite, but this is a year where I'm not sure that any Valley district team, um, especially for the girls is necessarily making a deep run. Okay. I mean, it's usually so competitive up there, but, and, and yeah, the, you know, if it's Broadway or it's Spotswood or it's, you know, TA, it's, it's usually, you know, get out of that tough district and then kind of go on deep. So you're thinking uh, it's going to be harder for a deep run out of the girls' side. Yeah, I do. It's just, you know, even with Spotswood, I mean, they've got Zoli Khalil who, who has several division one offers. Um, but, you know, it's kind of similar to Tyler. She's, you know, she's had a several games where she's had 25 of their 40 points or things like that. And um, I mean, as you guys know, that's, I don't, I just yeah. don't see that as a success you know, or a recipe for long-term success. I mean, uh, earlier this year, they played Luray uh, in a non-district game um, earlier this season. It was back in December. Um, and that, that was a huge win for Luray. Luray beat them. Emily Weekly, obviously, is, she's headed to Shepard, and she's kind of been the player to watch for up here. And that was a big-time showdown with her and Zoli, and everybody wanted to see, you know, who would win or whatever. And, um, you know, really what, what the storyline was was that Luray had the better team. I mean, Emily puts up crazy numbers we obviously she just scored her 2000th career point herself but um the Luray girls um at, at, at the class two level uh that's probably the team you know in terms of Rockingham County Shenandoah County these schools up there uh that's kind of the, the the team that I'd watch for to to go make a deep run I mean I, I think they have a legitimate chance of making it back-to-back state champions there so transitioning to Shenandoah district you mentioned the typical Broadway team gritty good it's kind of turning into the typical Buffalo Gap team the past few years where they're non-conference. They start out house of fire, but this year they're off to a pretty good start in district play as well. When it comes to the Shenandoah district, do you think Buffalo Gap has what it takes to survive the whole year and possibly be that team that's sitting atop the Shenandoah district when it's all said and done? Oh, absolutely, dude. I think uh, the, the biggest reason is probably because they have arguably the best player in the district on their team in Bennett Bowers. Um, I mean, I've seen the kid play, and he's he's a he's a, a high level basketball player at the high school level. And I think he has a, a potential to be a Division two, um, a Division two player one day, and in a, in a, in a good Division two player. I mean, he he has some serious talent, um, and then and they've got you know good players around him too. They've had some some balanced nights. You know, Mike Canterbury, um, Jackson Laporte, Jackson Ingram. You know, they've had some guys step up around him, um, and, and they, they do things you know the right way, like you said. Um, but, you know, Bennett Bowers is the reason number one why I think, you know, they're going to have a chance against anybody in the night. I mean, we've already seen multiple times this season. He's capable of scoring over 30 points. And, um, you know, I, I'm just – I'm a huge fan of his game. And I think, you know, him alone uh, is going to give them a chance against anybody. But when you look at that Shenandoah, you know, the entire district as a whole, um, you know, Wilson's a really good team right now. Um, and I think Ford's kind of fallen off in the past week or so. But Buffalo Gap and Wilson, I mean, those those two have kind of separated this, themselves here early. And, uh, you know, I think that between those two, it's going to be a showdown. And I, I think Buffalo Gap certainly has a chance. Yeah, I, you know, I think coming into the season, we were, we were talking a lot of Wilson. So I'm not surprised for them to start off district season pretty well here with a couple of wins. Um, and, they, you know, the Finn Irving kids leading them very well uh, after they lose, you know, Jackson Hartman, who goes to private school. But also Stanton was that other team who I guess it's just – you know, muscle memory of, you know, who Stanton's going to be involved in the end somehow. Um, and so, yeah, those two teams are who we were watching out for. Uh, but, but like Joe said, I think Gap was a surprise, but I, I still think Stanton's going to make their noise. And, and I think, I think Wilson is doing it. Yeah, I, I agree. I do think Stanton is a team that they, they're so dangerous. And I feel like 
I don't know, you know, I'd have to go back and actually look at historically how it's worked out, but it feels like every year around playoff time, they, they kind of seem to hit their stride, um, at least since Terrell Mickens has taken over. I mean, uh, I can remember them going up to East Rock a couple years ago when Dalton was there and, and beating East Rock in the playoffs. I mean, they've had some wins like that. Um, with just how athletic they are and, and how hard they play, they're a team that, that's always dangerous. I mean, almost every night when they send me their book, you know, they're, they're, they're sco- they have three or four guys that are all scoring 10 points apiece. And, you know, they might not ever have a guy that scores 25 or 30, but when you have four or five guys that can do that, um, that makes you dangerous against anybody. Because if, if all of them get hot on the same night, um, they're going to be scary good. And so I think the Shenandoah really has potential to be a lot of fun this year. Actually, probably one of the, the, the more fun districts in the, in the area and in the, in the region, um, just because I think it's a little wide open. I mean, you know, like I said, Ford had a tough week this past week, but they, they're a really good team too. I mean, they're the defending district champions. Tyreek Vini is, is, is a player that if, if Bennett Bowers isn't the best or Finn Irving is the best, he's in the discussion as well um, for them. Uh, they, they're a good team when they, when they, when they play at their potential, um, you know, obviously, you know, Waynesboro struggled a little bit, but short strap plays tough. Um, Riverheads is a team that, that started all strong. They've had struggles as, as of late, but, you know, I just think in whole in all in all, that district uh, has potential to be a lot of fun and really could be a two, three team race by the end of the year. I, I really do think anybody can beat anybody uh, this year more than ever. I think last mm-hmm. year we had a touch of that, but this year even even more so. I just, you know, with Waynesboro beating Fort this past week, I, I, I thought that kind of started to prove it. Um, so I, I really I agree with you. But I think the uh, Stanton is the team to watch this week. They have uh, scheduled games against Wilson and Waynesboro this week. So I, I just think Stanton will be involved with the story of the district uh, this particular week. Um, but, yeah, a lot of good match. I mean, it's, it's hard to pick game of the week in that district just because you just know anybody can beat anybody. Yeah, I mean, we, we saw that earlier this year. I think Buffalo Gap and Stanton played in the in the first district game of the season, and, and Buffalo Gap, you know, I barely beat them. But that's that's the type of year I think it's going to be where – you know, we might look at the district champion and they might have a really good record, but then you might look at their wins and it might be five or six, you know, single digit wins on there. I mean, I just think it's going to be the, the room for air is not going to be, you know, it's not going to be there for, for teams this year. With with the girls side, I mean, you got Coach Gale back at Fort Defiance now and they're starting. I mean, they this is a team that is off to a strong start. And I know Leland and I both had questions like how would this transition um, to the girls' side, can they? Can he get it going at Fort Defiance? We know he did it with the Draft Boys, went over to Rockbridge, did it over there with their boys, but now he's coming to Fort Girls. How would that translate? And so far, still early, but so far it's looking pretty good for Fort's girls, and they might be the team on the girls' side that has something to say, although Buffalo Gap's girls, despite being really young, also very good. Yeah, you know – I had questions too about how it would translate. And, you know, I talked to a lot of people about it before the year and, you know, a lot of, some people think that it actually translates a little better to the girls game just because of how many loose balls there are and um, things like that. And, and, you know, steals and, 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 you know, uh, pressing and and getting, taking advantage of some of those opportunities. Um, A lot of people felt like it translated better um, to the girls game. And and the the one thing that I think that that stands out to me that a lot of people forgot about or forget about for, um, you know, not necessarily you guys, but, you know, people just from outside the area, from the Rockingham County area that played them and stuff, is people, everybody wanted to talk about the new system and, and the offense that they're running, but people kind of forgot that this Fort team actually has a really good roster too, and I think that's a big yeah. part and why Gail probably felt comfortable bringing this system is, is he has a team capable of, of shooting at a high percentage. He has a team full of athletes, multi-sport athletes. I mean, when you look across that roster, 
Um, you know, Kirsten Ransom is a softball and basketball standout. Lillian Berry, a, a Penn State softball commit. Um, Trinity Hedrick, uh, Ellie Cook, a James Madison so- soccer commit. So, you know, they've got some some high-level uh, multi-sport athletes um, that, that are across that roster and, and they're deep with it. And so, you know, and volleyball players as well. So, you know, they've just got a, a lot of really good athletes on that team. And I think, you know, as much as the, the system has obviously had a big effect and, and, you know, that we've seen them put up huge numbers, especially for girls basketball um, in some games this season. But, you know, it, just the, the level of play and how deep they are um, and experienced they are, I think is, is playing a factor for them too. I, I think when I look at that roster and looking at all those multi-sport athletes, that are performing well for them. It reminds me of when coach Gale was at draft and he led that team his last year at draft, the boys basketball, when he led them deep in the playoffs and, you know, on the, on the brink kind of um, with their deepest running school history. It just reminds me that all here's all these football kids that came over to the basketball and we're a big piece of that. Obviously everybody on that roster is going to be a big piece of it. Um, but it, it does remind me of that run uh, that Stewart's draft had. Yeah, I mean, that's just like I mentioned with Central earlier. I mean, that's that's how yeah. sports and around here, especially. I mean, you, you get those multi-sport athletes and you build a culture. And especially if you start building a winning culture, it just translates over. I mean, even with the Central girls, um, the volleyball team up there in Central had a, had a deep run made to the state championship. And now we're seeing the girls' basketball program with a lot of those players. They're, they're playing pretty well here. So, you know, I, that's where it all starts. And, you yeah. know, especially around here locally, you know, you almost have to have those multi-sport athletes and, I think if you don't, that's where that's where you start to see teams, you know, have to go through rebuilds and things like that. So we hadn't had you in a while. We hadn't talked about our Hokies yet on the podcast. <laughs> so uh, let's talk to you. We a lot's happened since we last spoke uh, <laughs> at Virginia Tech football, um, and uh, we have a new head coach. And uh, so we can stop complaining about the old one. Uh, I wish Twitter <laughs> would pick up on that message. But uh, you know, what's your general thoughts? Uh, with the new coach and, and now that we have a staff in place and, and some of these, uh, even some of these um, recruits that we've gotten, particularly the uh, transfer portal guys. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's funny because I saw a tweet the other week that said, you know, who was the last coach that, that lost the press conference and you don't find very many that do, but um, man, Brent Pry, the press conference, there were both press conferences that he's had so far. Um, I think he's certainly won. Um, he said the right things and the things that, um, know, the fan base I, wanted to I know hear. Whit, Whit Babcock lost a press conference a year ago when he, when he was down in donor. So it, it, yeah, it, it, you are correct. <laughs> you are correct about that. Um, yeah, no, I, I just think, uh, you know, he, he's been a, um, a, a breath of fresh air. And I, I mean, to be honest, I think anybody would have been at the point where the fan base was, but um, I think he's saying the right things. He's putting the focus on the right things. Um, you know, the in-state recruiting is obviously something that, you know, I think every Virginia Tech fan has wanted to focus on. Um, are more of a focus on in recent years. And, um, you know, that seems to be the case with him and his staff. Um, you know, I, I, I think the, the hire of Joe Rudolph from Wisconsin as the offensive line yeah. coach is huge. Um, you know, I think it's, it's pretty clear when you look at the, the hires that he's made, kind of what the identity of this team is going to be and, and maybe more of a focus on the run game in the future. Um, you know, I, I, I do I, – I like everything about what he's been doing so far. And uh, I think the transfer portal pickups are huge. Um, I like that they they got they got two, and you know it seems like nobody was really promised the job. So, yeah, I, I, I do like that, and you know not giving not just you know giving a transfer quarterback and letting him just come in and take the job. So, um, you know, so far it's it's thumbs up for me. I'm excited about you know his mentality and kind of his focus. Um, you know, I'm hoping 
you know, a lot, a lot of people didn't really know much about Mike Young really when he got hired, there was there were some questions about him and whether he was the right guy. And he ended up being ultimately what looked like the right, like, like the right pick for Virginia Tech. And so hopefully, you know, we kind of found another diamond in the rough here with, with pry and uh, can get this thing back on track. <laughs> Definitely fits the mold. I, I think he, you know, fits, fits the community well. And I know, I mean, that's my thing is like, you know, he was a grad assistant back in 95 and we're putting so much weight on that. I mean, they are, they, yeah. they, they are. And so like, you know, how real is that? But like, he understands that vibe and the mood and with every other decision he's going that, that are real decisions that aren't just framing a story and framing a, a mood. He's making those decisions that agree with that mindset and what the fans want to hear. So I, you know, he's backing up what he's saying and, and, and what we're wanting and, uh, can that produce the winning that we want? You know, I think I think he's gonna have a good shot to be able to prove that. Yeah, I, I, it's funny you mentioned that because I do think that uh, I think you know part of where that comes from is you know the fan base has been so about wanting to get back to the old days, and I understand that desire. I understand, you know, I certainly would love to get back to that the winning culture that we built. Um, people don't really understand us like how the industry works, how things change, and uh, you know. People, I mean, I had people coming up to me at the end of the season saying, well, they should just bring back Bud and Beamer and them for a couple <laughs> of years and all these different yeah. things. And it's like that people don't understand that you can't just you can't just bring back guys or just bring back former Beamer players. Beamer wasn't coaches. working at the end. I mean, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and people just don't understand that, that just because a guy used to play Virginia Tech and he, he's now coaching at a high school that he's going to be a high-level Division One wide receivers coach and things like that. And, um, you know, there was just a lot of things like that that happened. And so – I think part of I think part of when when Whit found Brent Pry, I think you know I think Brent Pry was the guy he wanted, but I think that that's part of the marketing strategy for for Pete Moore and some of those guys to to use this graduate assistant thing and kind of lean on it heavy because they know how much the fan base wanted somebody that was theirs. And, you know, I don't know if I don't, if if you would ask me if Brent Pry was a hokey, um, you know, at, when he was even scoring at Penn State, I would have asked you who who. Who are you talking about? <laughs> I googled so, him straight up. I mean, yeah, it was, I, I googled him. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to sit here and act like you know he's a, he's our home guy coming home. But I am excited to have him now, and I think I think you know he has potential to do a really good job. Well, but to that point, like I don't know outside of Shane Beamer, I don't know who that would have been, right? I don't know who you could have hired that right, would have been high right, profile exactly. that everyone would have recognized. Oh, former tech guy, like that would have made sense. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you. It, it, hundred percent. And that, and that's what, that's what cracks me up about some, some, you know, not just Virginia Tech fan base, anybody, but um, you know, it's just like people just really don't understand all that really goes into this stuff. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I, the thing too, is like people want to, you know, go back to the way it was before when we were winning. Now, if a new way was winning, no one would have that desire. You know, if, if Fuente's right. vision worked like, you know, let's take these guys from Texas and Oklahoma and, and plug in what we can get out of Virginia because we keep getting beat recruiting in state. But like, and if that was working, no one would have been, oh yeah, we need to go back to the old days. Like it's just right. when you're, when you're not happy with what you got, you want back to what it was before. Uh, so it's just, I mean, that's common, you know, human nature of it. So, you know, whatever he does and if he starts winning and then has less and less Hokies involved doing it, uh, no one's going to complain because winning fixes everything. Yeah, no, you're hundred percent right. I mean, um, you know, I, I don't think it'll take long to figure out, you know, how this is going to work out with him. I mean, I think, you know, hopefully the fan base is patient, but, um, yeah. you know, I, it's, it, it, you can find out pretty quickly how it's going to go. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't, I don't expect the world next year, but yeah, we want to see progress here in, in a, in a, you know, 18 month, two year period. You want to see 
positives. So Fuente's worst debacle was at ODU. That's what Pry opens up with. So <laughs> yeah, that's just win what, that game. Yeah, that certainly... Win that game. <laughs> don't lose <laughs> to ODU. We we don't you know, we don't have very big we don't have very big you know very big tasks we need you to take care of. <laughs> yeah, just beat ODU. Don't lose that game. You know, West Virginia. If we get in the red zone, score a touchdown. You know, <laughs> yeah, I, I hear you, man. I hear you. But yeah, no, I, okay. if, yeah, I, I agree with what you were saying, Cody. I, I just kind of felt like I, I'm hoping folks are patient because they need to realize, like, people are really like, well, you know, Fuente in his first year won 10 games. What Fuente inherited and what oh Pry is inheriting are kind of night and day to me. Like, Beamer had talent. It was just kind of a game had passed him by situation versus Fuente didn't seem to be bringing talent in the door. And when he did, it had to go somewhere else to get really good, i.e. Hendon Hooker. Yeah, I mean, that I agree with that. I mean, you think that first year when Fuente came in and he had, you know, Isaiah Ford, uh, mm-hmm. Cam Phillips, Bucky Hodges. I mean, they he, then he brought in Gerard Evans. and real, But the rest of that roster was all Beamer's guys, and they were – I mean, it was a loaded roster. The Edmonds brothers. I mean, we could go on and on. Um, and then when you look at, you know, what Prize coming into, I mean, almost, you know, an entirely new quarterback room and entirely almost, you know, an almost a new receivers room just in terms of those guys are all, are all going to be so young. Um, you know, the experienced guys are now gone. So um, all across the roster, obviously, a ton of ton of movement. It's going to look like a probably a, a really new team next year. So, Cody, when you when you got everything scheduled up for you to, you know, cover as many games as you can tonight and it all gets snowed out like it like it does early this week, uh, what are you popping on the TV? What are, what are you watching lately? Man, I've been back on uh, the Friday Night Lights kick. Yes. <laughs> they, Good one. They, yeah, I think I've watched it probably three times now, but <laughs> it never gets old. And, um, yeah, I've been when, – when I have time, I've been, been popping that in. But, obviously, um, this is the time of year where NFL playoffs are on the TV a lot and, uh, you know, NCAA was on for a while with bowl season and now we're getting into the heart of college basketball season. So, um, yeah, it's pretty much sports are pretty much run my life, man. It's, it's sad, honestly. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm not even a, a, a real sports media person and it, it does the same. So, <laughs> um, yeah. are you ready for the Washington commanders? Is that what you're gearing up for? Is that, is that what the, is that what the strong, strong indication that that's what it's going to be with some, some images that weren't blurred enough to, yeah, you know, I, I am okay with that. I, it could be worse, I guess. Um, oh, I you know, uh, yeah, I, it's bad when you're when you're a Washington fan. You almost expect the worst out of every single thing. So, <laughs> I, I really, I totally 100% expected 100 times worse than that. I still would not be surprised if, if on February 2nd it comes out and it's way worse. But <laughs> um, it's the Snyder's. Yeah, to me, we, yeah, we, we, <laughs> you with the commanders. We we right. planted that image and now make it's all the fans wear. Snyder on their shirt. Yeah, just, just a the big, Washington big Snyders. photo of Dan Snyder on the helmet. Yeah, I can see it. <laughs> <laughs> Cody, thanks for plugging in on here with us. And uh, we really appreciate everything you do up there at the DNR. We'll keep reading you. Yeah, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Talk to you next time. Well, we just talked a, a bit about there about tech football. Let's talk about the uh, Virginia Tech sport that's actually playing. Tech basketball finally got an ACC win. I was pumped about that, Joe. 
Uh, I would have taken it at any time mm-hmm. <laughs> previously, but I'm glad we got it now. Um, I like that win Saturday evening against Notre Dame and Notre Dame team that was playing pretty good basketball coming in. Um, so I hope it's something they can build off. Of. I did not like the loss to UVA last week, but it was a tight game. And uh, I think UVA has kind of proven us true, uh, sadly, that they're playing better basketball than they were early in the season. So um, I appreciate them being close, but when you were losing all your ACC games, you don't appreciate close. You got to have the wins. So I was glad we finally got that Saturday. You and I talked about this. It's going to really come down to how he's recruiting. Like next year, Mike Young's got to be better. We can't, you can't start off the ACC play like this next year, or you've got a problem that you have to look at changing something. Um, So in relation to UVA, yes, UVA is doing better. I will say this. I don't know. I don't necessarily know that it's because UVA is just getting into their groove versus I just don't think the ACC is very good. I think Duke's good. I think everybody else is kind of then there's like a pack of North Carolina's okay. There's a pack of teams there though after Duke. I'd say North Carolina's in, but I'd say North Carolina, Miami, UVA, maybe Wake Forest. Like all those teams are kind of kind of together in a shrug your shoulders, I don't know. Are they good? Kind of question. It's going to make for a good ACC tournament. Three of them are – at least three of that group is going to be in the tournament. There's no – probably four. There's no way I would say the ACC comes away with, you know, under five teams in the tournament. But yeah. it's Might it's be hard just to a group. Yeah, but it's just a group of teams there that you're kind of like, I don't know. And you shrug your shoulders. And, yeah, I guess it depends on who wins in the ACC tournament. Yeah. I, I think it's going to make a real good March tournament there uh, for the ACC tournament. And, you know, we see, you know, whoever becomes number one loses. <laughs> so we keep seeing that, and Duke will get back up there probably at some point. I and, just and like, I think the gap like, between one and everybody else this year is just too big for that, though. And the ACC? Yeah. Yes. I think I was trying to broaden the conversation. Oh, before. oh, gotcha. Like, whoever becomes number one in the nation, they lose. Lose once or twice, you know, that week. So um, I think I think we're setting up for a lot of um, a lot of good coming up, a lot of interesting. Like we're just not going to know what's going to happen um, because I just I don't see. I think there'll be a top group of teams that all can beat each other. I don't think there's going to be like that one. You know, obviously no one undefeated and all that. Like I just think there's going to be a bunch of there's going to be two classes, and it's not anybody will come from anything. And I bet the bottom, the best of the bottom class will probably still have a shot. So I, I think it's making out for a, a very interesting March. But in the meantime, I, I think we're going to rely on, you know, who's just cycling up there up top, the Baylors, the Dukes, you know, all the, the those usual names that keep showing on up there. So I, I think that's what we have ahead of us here in, in the end of January for February. Yeah. I mean, Auburn is a team that if you're looking for a different name, although they were there, what, three years ago, four years ago? That's who, that's who UVA beat. Yeah, t- in the final four, I think. They beat the final, the final four, four, yeah. And then yeah. they beat Texas Tech. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Auburn's back. They they look to be pretty good this year. Alabama's good. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, yeah, like you said, Baylor. Oklahoma State upset them, though, this weekend. So Big 12 is really, really good. On the women's side and at the at the year level, whether you're calling the games where your VC women had a rough week. They did. Uh UMass is a very good basketball team. They came back and beat VCU, and then VCU 
on Saturday just had one of those games where they just couldn't make anything. Uh, you know, I was looking at the stat sheet in the box score and we talked about it in the post game, and I was like, you know, you look at these and outside of the shooting percentage, VCU did a good job. They were in the rebounding category. They had double-digit offensive rebounds, which I don't think they've done all year. They did not turn the ball over. They just shot 29% from the field, and it's hard to win when you shoot 29% from the field. So uh, I don't think VCU is going to keep shooting 29% from the field. I think that is something that is an outlier. Unfortunately, it came at home against Fordham, who is a team that is pretty good. And so it just didn't work out. They had a rough weekend. Um, They are on the road. Next home game is actually uh, on the 26th against St. Louis. But in between there, they have games against Davidson and I believe Rhode Island. So um, it's going to be games where VCU's women, I mean, you're starting to get into the teeth of the A-10. And, you know, Demetrius and I talk about it on the games all the time. That has about six teams at the top that you could see any team beating any of them on any given day. It's a very deep conference this year in women's basketball. Yeah. Well, that should give them a shot then. So that's good. Um, what else have you been watching? I have um, been doing. Yeah, I was going to say, not watching, but uh, what is dominating my life, and I hope this doesn't chase John Leonard away because uh, he sent me a text message about it, actually, um, telling me not to post about it on Facebook. Word if you're of- the one, if you're the one that um, chases John Leonard away from his podcast, I'll be shocked. I think I'm destined to be that guy. Maybe. Because I'm going to just, I'm going to take my Stanton Brave fandom that like, it's just, it's, it's from proximity more than it is actual me knowledge of that, of that organization. <laughs> so at some point I'm going to say something stupidly wrong about the Stanton Braves or the Valley Baseball League in general. So I think I'm the one that's destined to do that. So I'm, I'm eager to hear what you have that might chase him away ahead of me doing that. Apparently he hates the game Wordle that is taking over the internet. Um, I kind of roll my eyes on it, to be honest, too. So, Yeah, have you tried it? I, I'm not a Wheel of Fortune guy, and this reminds me a lot of Wheel of Fortune. So, um, I mean, know, but it's not. Gotta, it's like a, a letter or two that are in the right place, and then you got to – I just – I don't know. I'm more of a number guy. I'm a Sudoku guy, not a no. word guy. I'm more of a – I mean, honestly, if we're going to put words into stuff, I'm more of a crossword puzzle guy just because that's more of, like, clues and stuff. I just – throwing out random words. I, I know what the game is. But yeah, I enjoy it. And I think part of what makes it good, you know, I introduced it to my mom because she's, you know, a nerd and um, she's into it now. And if I finish mine first, I'll send her how many guesses it took. And if she finishes hers first, she sends me how many guesses it took. And then we'll compare at the end of the day. Um, But she's annoyed that it's only one a day. And I was like, honestly, I like that. Because to me, I'm like, okay, I do the word, I'm done, go do whatever has to be done in life. And then the next day, I come back and do another one. So I like that it's only one a day. Uh, and so far, pretty good. I think, um, let me check my percentage here. But I'm on a streak. I think I've gotten seven straight. I've only missed uh, two. And the two I missed were maybe even consecutive days. It was tough. Um, 82%. Yeah. So 9 of 11, 7 in a row. Just saying. So you started off rough. You had to get used to it. 
Yeah. I just don't, I wouldn't be that great at it. And I also don't care to share it on Facebook or see what other people did with Wordle on Facebook. So, yeah, I. Well, Cody I, Elliott actually put one up and I asked, I uh, commented yeah. on his tweet, you know, how many guesses did it take you to get the word? And he put his on there and I put mine on there. And yeah. Good for him. I, you know, he, he writes for a living. So good job. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just, I just know that. I about think that's myself, the most like, surprising part why John doesn't like it. Because I know he's a writer and loves words. And I'm just like, how are you not into this? <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. I just, I haven't, it hadn't got me. Um, I don't know. It's free. I, 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 I get no ads. I think that's the other thing I love about it. I'm sure they're taking my information. Because it does have a way of knowing who I am. Because like when I went back in, it just showed me the stats. It didn't let me guess the words again. So um, Just announce yourself. It'll tell you, yeah. Yeah, it, it I'm probably getting my information sold to somebody, but that's okay. Um, this, that happens this anyway. This is how the Russians get us right here. Eh, they've already got it. It wasn't TikTok. It's Wordle. Well, that was you're getting all, TikTok's you're get the all Chinese. These. This is a British website. So, I mean. Some, somewhere or another, America is becoming weaker because of Wordle. I doubt it. <laughs> I'd say TikTok was probably the more likely one of those. I say that as I watch. I don't have TikTok, but I watch the Facebook and Instagram equivalent. So what I've been doing when I'm not watching these NFL playoffs, uh, this is us is back. Uh, that's a show that I we've watched from the beginning. Um, it lost my interest at a good portion there in the middle. Um, just cause I thought the quality wasn't as good, but it's a nice show to watch, uh, with my wife and she enjoys it. So that's good. And we talk about it. My parents watch it. So that's nice. I like having a show that everybody's watching that it's another thing to talk about. But I'm glad it's coming to an end because I think the show's better with a little more focus uh, than it had there when they were chasing through Vietnam in the past. Uh, but I think it's better now. So I'm interested to see how that story wraps up. You know, that was the hot TV show when it came out. And, uh, you know, it, it Tarantinoed a little bit uh, there with some, you know, you didn't know that you were in the past for some of what you were watching, which I thought was interesting when it when it came on. But then that was established and and. I just don't know if they've always done well with that. So I'm glad it's wrapping up, um, but we've been watching that, and I'm glad the quality's back to being a little bit higher than it had gotten in the middle there. So uh, that's that's what we've kind of – that's the only, like, you know, show on regular television that's coming on once a week um, that we're watching. I'll say Boba Fett is the other show that we're watching that comes on once a week, but that's more of me and, me and the kids are the more excited people for that one. Um, but yeah, we're watching that and we'll watch, watch it to the end. And, uh, so that's what I'm watching. Yeah. I, I'll say this network television. I don't watch a lot of network television anymore. Oh, we don't either. We really don't either. Like I saw an ad for next level up or whatever Gordon Ramsay's new cooking show is. I might give that a look see just cause I like watching Gordon Ramsay yell at people, but. Dude, justified is going to come back with that short series. I know. Yeah, but that's not network. That's, that's FX. <laughs> FX, but still, I'm excited. That, that just reminded me though that it's coming. I, it, it it hasn't been produced yet, but it's been announced. So I'm super excited. If that's two years down the line, fine. I'm super excited about that. Well, what I know that you need to know, I guess, would be that, and I, I don't think I've talked about this, and if I have, you can stop me. But the Ken Rosenthal story, um, getting let go by Major League Baseball or MLB Network. Oh, yeah. This is bold. Yeah. This is a while ago, and I've been meaning to come back to it, and I just always forget. But they, uh, Rob Manfred, he wrote a piece that was critical of Rob Manfred during the pandemic. 
and how he was trying to run baseball. And so apparently he was suspended from MLB Network once he wrote that up until the playoffs. And then they kind of let him do the playoff thing because then it would have been noticeable. And then MLB Network let him go. And it came out that this is in retaliation because he wrote something that wasn't positive about Rob Manfred. I guess here's my thing. He's still on Fox, which is good. The piece he wrote was in The Athletic. He also worked for MLB Network as a TV analyst. And I get that MLB Network is owned by Major League Baseball. Like, that is the Major League Baseball propaganda machine. I get it. I get that you probably don't love the idea of them saying something negative about the commissioner. But I'll be honest, I didn't know this athletic piece existed because I don't subscribe to The Athletic. And there's a lot of people who don't subscribe to The Athletic and probably also are learning about this for the first time. And they learned about it because you let them go. And if you just don't make a big deal about it and move on, you're probably better for it. Instead, it's another bad PR piece for Rob Manfred, and he just keeps getting hit with this bad PR. There is never a good story about Rob Manfred. Never. Unless it's, like, written by Rob Manfred. So... I, I just don't know what this – I am also bothered by the idea that you're trying to squash someone for writing their opinion. Now, I'm the first one on here criticizing Buster Olney, and I think I've even criticized Ken Rosenthal for complaining that the Orioles are tanking and not doing baseball the right way or whatever. But they're allowed to write that. I'm allowed to criticize it, but they're allowed to write it. I'm sure the Baltimore Orioles don't love them writing about it. But the Baltimore Orioles also probably aren't calling ESPN trying to get Buster only fired. And they're not calling MLB Network asking Ken Rosenthal to be fired. So I, I just have a problem with the whole thing. And you heard other, other people talk about, you know, well, what about other commissioners? And David Stern was a popular one that came up on other podcasts I had listened to. And they said, when I wrote something David Stern didn't like, he called me up, chewed me out, and then hung up the phone. And that was yeah. it. And they covered basketball. Yeah. Yeah. And Rob Manfred could have called Ken Rosenthal, said, you don't know what you're talking about. I don't like this, blah, blah, blah. And then hung up the phone and moved on with his day. And again, right. far less people know about this piece. Yeah. I'm sure the athletic loves it because they still get to pay Ken Rosenthal. He gets to still cover baseball for him. And they probably got a lot more clicks on that story than they had before. Because I guarantee you not that many people saw it during the pandemic on a subscription site. It's behind a paywall. Like, why are you helping something behind a paywall get noticed? It's just so stupid. It, it's like whoever does PR for Major League Baseball. Although, I don't think the PR people would have advised him to do this. I think this is Rob Manfred's ego. And I think that's part of the problem with Rob Manfred is he, his ego is just too big for the room. And honestly, when you're a commissioner, you don't have to worry about everything fans feel about you. Um, but you kind of need to be aware and just let some of it roll off your back. And I don't think Rob Manfred's capable of that. I don't think he's good for baseball. And I think he is ultimately going to be doing some severe damage to the sport before it's all said and done. This doesn't help. I, I don't think trying to silence someone in the media because you don't like their opinion is ever a good idea. I think, I just think it's dangerous, especially when it's labeled opinion, especially when it's opinion. If you have the power to actually stop someone, I don't think it's good. Yeah, like you need to have the thicker skin. I think 
if you don't have the power to do it and you're trying to shut somebody up, then that's your business. But yeah, if you're in the commissioner league, you just got to have some thicker skin. And, and yeah, I, I agree. And I think it just leads to the next thing. So what happens when Ken Rosenthal writes another bad piece is, is he pulling his credentials from being at a game or being able to cover or pulls it from the athletic, you know, uh, to, you know, the copyright for the MLB and uh, well, if you were um, to do that, I imagine there would be a lawsuit and yeah, the major league baseball would owners be, would not it back. Just me there's not one really here. Like he's doing his job. Like where does it say in his job description that he can't write something negative about something about baseball? And, you know, just because it's the commissioner, like all of a sudden that makes it the difference. I don't like that. And, and I think it just leads to, to worse things. And uh, you know, for covering a major league baseball, you know, this is peanuts in the scheme of the world here, but you know, where you see people, you know, stop from writing real things is a problem. And I think it's a problem we see in everyday life events right now throughout the world, not just in America. So I, I think it is something to you perk, you perk your ears up when you hear this, this kind of censorship happening that it's, it's not, a, it doesn't lead to good. And, and you'd rather, you'd rather just hear, the truth instead of everything in a um, shiny box, the way you want it to be told. And um, you know, maybe he deserves criticism. Maybe he should, maybe he should look at the mirror. Maybe he should read the thing and, and see and actually address, you know, what is accurate and what's not accurate for himself before he starts, you know, making sure they're not working underneath his, uh, his umbrella. So, yeah. and, and I'm sure, you know, to, to Rob Manfred's credit in that piece, um, you know, Ken Rosenthal is saying, you know, he should have shut baseball down and not been trying to push it through the pandemic. Rob Manfred's going to say, look, I've, I've got a league to run. I've got 32 owners that yeah, need to make money. you got an answer to that. You have an answer to that. Yeah, you can't say it in those exact words because then it comes off as, oh, you don't care about player safety or player health, which, spoiler alert, they don't. Um, they don't. But, yeah, there's also, probably a more tactical way baseball, you can You can't that. run baseball without baseball running. Yeah. So, like, he was doing his job. And if all the owners thought that that wasn't the right decision, then it's on those 30 guys for, you know, having him make those decisions. I, I just – yeah, I, I don't like it. And as you said, any anybody in power, when people are questioning them, legitimately questioning them with actual, you know, yeah. information and facts like that, that stuff comes out because people are asking questions and it's a responsible media doing their job. It's not these things don't come out by themselves. Like Ken Rosenthal, not Joe Deck on some podcast. This right. Ken Rosenthal. Come on. Exactly. Um, But, you know, like. It's not like Nixon called and was like, hey, everyone, uh, I'm involved with Watergate. No, that was investigative journalism media. <laughs> like, right. So if Ron Manfred's doing something shady or, you know, to take it back to sports or like the Washington football team's doing something shady, like they're not exactly going to raise their hand and be like, oh, sorry, we did that. Here's here's all the information uh, just so everyone knows because we're being responsible. No, that's going to take sports media getting involved and in investigating it. It's something that the leagues don't want. It's something. So I, I am all for actual sports journalism. Now, the problem you have is ESPN, the worldwide leader in sports, has a lot of deals with these leagues, and they prioritize that over the actual journalism part of what they do. Well, but, they just get rid of the shows in general that actually have journalism involved. So. Well, yeah. But <laughs> <Not> everybody. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, that's, that's the problem here, though. It's in with this instance, it's Major League Baseball. Ken Rosenthal, I know he didn't uh, – the, the piece he wrote in The Athletic, um, but he does work for MLB Network. And I, I do understand the sense of, like, they're within their right to let him go because it's something that makes Major League Baseball look bad while he's – and he's responsible for that. But 
there's another part of me that's just like, I don't think it did that much damage. Nobody was talking about it before the this. The process of doing this makes Major League Baseball look yeah, bad. People weren't talking about it before this. I think yeah. this made it worse. Everybody reading that back then was probably like, man, I'm glad baseball came did mm-hmm. play. I, I missed baseball. I, you know, hey, here's another way of thinking about it. Man, that, that, there's some points there, but man, I'm glad I had my baseball to watch. Like now everybody's talking about this and they're bringing in, you know, your comparisons now are to like world issues and, and, and overall right and wrong, not just, you know, opinion of that. Uh, yeah, that, this seems to have blown this story way up. So, Well, what capped my weekend was both of the uh, McCray-led black teams uh, won. So it, that's nice. One league, they don't keep score, but we were the better team that day, and it was good, <laughs> but both teams very good uh, and, and did a lot of good things. The, the yellow team had a lot to be proud of, uh, but the black team had more buckets. And then in the league, they do keep score. Uh, we jumped up early and then had to hold on. And uh, it was it was an interesting Saturday, and uh, but it was a happy one. And, and I think my my team that does keep score, I think they were equally as happy after the big blowout loss a week ago and then this win. I think they, I don't think they take a lot from it. They, they were happy to win, and they acknowledged it. But then, you know, they were in high spirits after both games. So I think, uh, I think that's a good thing. <laughs> I think yes. that – at that age that level, I'm, yes. I'm doing something right. That I'm I'm leading them on, on doing better and being good. And we weren't talking about the score during the game. And um, I said, you know, I saw him look up there. One of the kids in particular look up there right before the last last period. And I was like, don't worry about it. If we're doing what we're taught, we're supposed to be doing as we've been coached, as they did this game because that's why they won. Then that'll take care of itself. And that's wow. Like, that's a like castaway. I, that's I like love. I, my I love so, that. Yeah. If we do it right, that 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 thing will take care of itself, and uh, it did this week. So I was happy for them. I'm happy that I'm not going to be like a chasing a win uh, deep into the season. <laughs> so I'm glad we at least have the one, and then we'll go from there. I just love that if you do what I tell you to do, we'll win, and if you don't, that's why we lose. So I they, just love they that. They did, they did, and we did. So I just I'm love coaching that. the basics. Like it, it's it's the basics. With that kind of mentality, you can never be wrong. So, <laughs> hey, you do a lot of things with the mentality you can never be wrong. You're you're either right or you saying it drove them to uh, right. I either motivated another team to a win, or the other team that I believed in didn't believe in themselves. That's that well, I motivated true. the team I wanted to win to mm-hmm. win, and that was great. And I hope I can do it again. Right, but that will do it for us on this episode of the X Sports Podcast. Make sure you are subscribed on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify so you never miss another episode. You can find us on Twitter. We're at Yak Sports Pod, Facebook, Yak Sports Pod, or you can email us, yaksportspod at gmail.com. Hope you are having a safe weekend in the snow, and uh, hopefully we are done with snow for a while because well, it's coming next weekend. Nice to have the day off. Um, I'm over it. Nope. So It's coming next week. More it better time. not. But... Make sure you are subscribed because, like this week, uh, when we have time off during the day, we can kind of turn these out in the middle of the day, and we might decide to do that. So make sure you're subscribed. Also interact with us on social media. John, tell us why you don't like Wordle. Um, Jeff, tell us about UVA and if they are. He does. He actually does plug in. And I keep like he, he hits me at the wrong time of day where I'm busy, and I'm like, oh, I'll come back to this. He later. did interact with us and say UVA yeah. football has you know people in Augusta County looking for players, and I can't, 
I can't honestly say I hope they go there, but it is good for the area that Division One ACC Power Five recruiters are in the area. And JMU was down last week too. So JMU, UVA, both at local high schools this week. Um, even even the red one. Um, so it'll. I, I my uh, I want these kids from Riverheads to have all the opportunities they can have. So even if it's a school that I don't like over the mountain, I, I will be so proud if 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 Riverheads was able to wow. get any players there. So I, I will say that. We'll see. Um, the, the biggest one we've had at Riverheads went to Pitt. Not exactly my favorite school. I was super proud of that. We had him on the podcast. So we did have him on I'll, the podcast, I'll, but I didn't shy away from the fact that I didn't like <laughs> his coach. I don't like Narduzzi, but he didn't go there when uh, Narduzzi came in while he was there. So, but until then, uh, make sure you are subscribing and interacting with us, and we will talk to you later. Thanks. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.